This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. For years now, the 1990s have been trending all around us. From culture, music, and fashion, the 90s have been recycled in so many ways. And now in the new book, Raver Girl, author Samantha Durbin writes about coming of age during the 1990s. It's a book for the moment as 90s nostalgia continues to gain momentum. It will appeal to anyone who grew up towards the end of the 20th century and for those wanting to learn more and even experience it through her writing. Samantha Durbin's writing has appeared in Pop Sugar, Yahoo Style, Real Simple, Pure Wow, Zagat, The Bold Italic, and The San Francisco Chronicle, among others. Makes her home in the Bay Area. Happy to have Samantha Durbin join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Samantha, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. So first off, why this memoir for you? Um, well, this was probably the most interesting time of my life. Um, around 16, 17 is when I became Rainbow Girl, and it was a very tumultuous time, um, but also it was quite the experience. Um, it was an alternative high school experience. I um, felt very much like I was going down the rabbit hole and, um, you know, found this Wonderland, and uh, I really, put, I really embraced it and um, became obsessed with it and embodied it. And then I came out the other end uh, more self-realized and confident, and also just um, I would say wiser as well. So, um, rave culture uh, was um, and is. Uh, you know, and in really interesting part of history, um, the raves are still happening, although they are also, you know, have evolved and changed over the, the decades. Um, so it's just a really special time in my life. And I, when I realized that uh, no other women had shared their story about what it was like to be a raver, um, there actually were, aren't many raver memoirs. Um, all the books and films, um, which there aren't that many, that were written about rave culture were more about the music or the drugs, and uh, most of them were written by men. So when I kind of realized, like, oh, like, this story hasn't, you know, been told, and I've got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of stories and experiences I can share, that is why it became my memoir. Samantha, there's been a resurgence in the 90s and trends from that decade. You really can see that everywhere, from music to fashion to all parts of pop culture. Why do you think 90s nostalgia has gained momentum again? Yeah, I know. It's been really interesting to see over the years that I've been writing this, because like, I've been writing it um, about eight years. And so I saw a lot of the trends certainly come into fashion, because um, I've always been a fashion lover, and um, I was really into raver fashion um, in my story. And um, for that, you know, fashion is very cyclical. So I just thought it was fashion being fashion. But, you know, the fact that there are these millennials, or I'm considered a millennial, I'm kind of on the border of millennial and Gen X, um, kind of seeing them wear, you know, wear the fashion or kind of, you know, watching friends and uh, things like that. I was like, huh, like I, you know, it's interesting that they're in, you know, simpler, seemingly simpler time. Um, it seems like time moved a little slower because there just was not so much information coming at us. 
Um, you know, certainly the internet was slower then. <laughs> it was, you know, uh, dial up, right? <laughs> so, um, but I think we all felt that. And so because there was not information overload and we weren't always trying to um, catch everything as it was happening or just happened, there was a bit more anticipation for things. Um, I think there's, you know, kind of longing for that for people who were there and realizing, wow, you know, I can't even keep up with my inbox now. So I think that's a part of it. And then for the, for the youngins who are interested in it, you know, I think it's kind of like when I was a kid and I was really interested in the 60s and hippie culture and, you know, what was happening then. I thought that was really fascinating. You know, hair was my favorite musical growing up. Um, and so I think that's kind of just what kids do. It's like, yeah, okay, they is like whatever. But there's like just always this curiosity or thinking that there's this other time period that was cooler and more interesting. So I think there's some of that. That's kind of what's going on with the different generations there. Chatting with Samantha Durbin here on Speaking of Writers. Her book is Raver Girl, Coming of Age in the 90s. And I read that you kept a list of every rave you uh, went to. Yes. Yes, I kept a list of every rave I went to. I wrote it by hand. I have it here in front of me. Um, <laughs> everything numbered, and I have the dates um, of the party and the party name, and it totals 104 from 1996 to 1999. Did you keep uh, a journal as well? Yes, yes. I kept a lot of memorabilia, and that actually is what helped me write the book. Um, I kept photos and you know but these these photos were taken with a disposable camera and so they're actual printouts of photos um i have journals i have notes and letters that me and my friends wrote each other whether it was in class you know in high school or um just you know writing notes like kids used to i don't know if they still do um but what really actually, the documentation that really helped me remember and write my book was I used to walk around with a, a dictaphone at Rave. So those are like those little handheld tape recorders. And <laughs> you probably get questions about what a, um, a dictaphone is now. Oh, I know. So I have to like explain it. So <laughs> I, you know, my dad had one lying around the house and I just grabbed it and I was like, it might be fun to record myself at, at the next Rave. And I just became this, like, gonzo reporter at the raves and would go around and interview my friends. And, um, yeah, so I have those tapes still. Um, I have about 20 hours of, you know, audio that is authentic from them, and it's really embarrassing and <laughs> funny. Um, but it also really helped me write the book. And so when I realized I had all this memorabilia, I was like, okay, well, obviously I kept all this for a reason. I tape recorded these parties for a reason. I was not even thinking about it at the time. I was just like, oh, this would be fun. But, it was, you know, it was like my future self, like, <laughs> urging me to do it or something. And so it was, I couldn't have written it without those tapes. And, um, you know, it just really helped jog the memory because obviously I was on lots of drugs at these parties. Um, so hearing my younger self um, and my friends and even the music, there'd be the music in the background. And like, that would be really cool to hear. Cause then I would be like, Oh yeah, I remember that song. And it would even like transport me back. So now speaking of the music, Samantha, how did this underground movement inspire the festival and EDM culture of today? 
Yeah, so the DJs then, um, and there's still, some of those DJs are still spinning now. Um, you know, like DJ Dan, Donald Glad, they're still DJs spinning now. They really just laid the framework for, um, for EDM. So it was not called EDM back in my day. You had, it was kind of the longer, larger umbrella of electronic music. And um, so you had house, techno, trance. Uh, trip hop, break beat, like you had all these jungle, you had all these sub um, subsets of like what the kind of electronic music was. Um, and then, so that was what was happening when I was a raver and I was really into house music. That was like my favorite, my favorite to dance to, my favorite DJs were house. Um, that was really big in the Bay Area. Um, so, you know, it just, the rave scene really changed, um, at the, at 2000, like around the turn of, um, at the millennium and, um, it actually was kind of outlawed, um, you know, local police, uh, and even the government started, um, cracking down on it. And so it made, making it like nearly impossible for people to throw raves. So then they kind of, there was kind of a lull. I would say in the early 2000s, um, where they weren't happening as much. Um, and then the things kind of started to bubble up in the form of like festivals of like what we know now, Coachella. Um, but I mean, of course you had Burning Man and Burning Man started in the nineties and Burning Man is like kind of its own, <laughs> its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but a lot, obviously DJ's been a Burning Man and I've been to Burning Man. Um, so yeah, so it kind of just became festivals and it kind of, uh, the larger promoters of concerts actually kind of started throwing them. So it was no longer these like underground, uh, you know, people kind of just doing it illegally with their own time and effort and money. It was these big organizations who were now throwing them. So that's how it got to be a festival and it got larger um, and then the music, I mean, there's still D- DJs spinning all those uh, subgenres I mentioned, um, but now there's the term EDM, which is electronic dance music. And so that's kind of like the newer wave of um, electronic music, I would say. So that's how, that's kind of what happened. How, and then, but there's still our underground raves. So. Yep. You can still find them. They still happen. So now you have, like, your big massive festivals, <laughs> your electric tea carnival, things like that. You can still find the underground rave. Samantha Durbin, the book is Raver Girl, Coming of Age in the 90s. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. And you can connect with Samantha online. Her website, Samantha-Durbin, D-U-R-B-I-N.com, and Raver Girl, the book, all one word, dot com. Again, the book is Raver Girl, Coming of Age in the 90s. The author, Samantha Durbin, and that is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards.